Hey, this is Corey from the podcast. Just want to let you know that we are still giving away our two Game of Thrones Funko Pop figures. We have the Night King and Jon Snow. To two of our lucky listeners who rate us on iTunes. Make sure you subscribe, like, and rate us for your chance to win. We're going to announce the winners at the end of the season, so you only have one week left. Also, we're thinking about going back to the beginning of Game of Thrones and starting from season one. If you think that would be something you're interested in, please let us know as your feedback helps us determine if a large enough portion of our audience is interested. We love Game of Thrones, but rumor is Game of Thrones is potentially not coming back till 2019. This way we still have a lot of Game of Thrones content to give you guys while we wait for new Game of Thrones. With that out of the way, we hope you guys like the episode, and let's start the podcast! Episode of To Be Perfectly Honest. This is Game of Thrones, Season 7, Episode 6. I'm Corey. I'm Anel. And this week we are talking about probably my favorite episode so far. How about you, Anel? Uh, not my favorite, but definitely some highlights through it that I really enjoyed. But Close also, second. Um, if I can rate the last half of it. No. Not no. Then not a close second, no. but still a good episode. Okay. If if you want to eat frosting and cry all night. Yeah, I mean, that's what I do on a daily basis. So, <laughs> so um, your favorite, huh? Yeah, for sure. Did you forget about episode four of this season? Three or four. Um, I mean, I love those episodes, but this one just blew it out of the water. This was what I was waiting for as far as trajectory. Like, in the other one, we're like, oh, Danny got on a dragon. Cool. Like... This one, Danny and John basically are now a thing. The dragons take out an action. We have calamity. We have death. Like so, favorite episode more so than Red Wedding. Yeah. More so. Oh hell yeah. More so than I can't think of the name of it, but the finale of last season, the Septon blew up and Cersei yeah. And- oh for sure. That was because that was a bunch of people that I kind of, I mean, yeah, Marjorie, I liked, um, even though she was kind of a conniving bitch, but everything else, like everyone else is pretty much like, meh, could care less. Like I was kind of rooting for Cersei, so. Heart home. That was a rad episode. This is still my favorite episode. Before this season, that was like the bar. Heart home. This is still my favorite. For sure. We have a lot of movement, and that's what I really like. You know, I feel like a lot of this, ever since probably about season four, I feel like we've been just kind of like, mm, stagnant a little bit. We get a little bit of movement with Danny, at least. Um, and I think that's kind of what has been driving everything along. But in this season so far, really, Danny's been pretty stagnant. And what was really good about the, you know, the, the earlier episodes, like three and four, is Danny actually got on the dragon and fucking did something for once. And I think that's what a lot of people responded to. We have that in this one. We have John is actually moving and doing something and actually, you know, taking the reins in this. We have a lot of our favorite characters are in here. Um, so I really liked it. Now there's some things in here that I'm like, eh, I don't know if I would do it like this. To be honest, the Arya and Sansa stuff kind of drives me insane, but it depends on where they take it. 
Hmm. I have a theory about that, but. Hmm. Sounds that drive you insane. It's actually Arya that drives me insane in this one. I know. I have a theory, too. Hmm. And I'm unsullied. Mm-hmm. I am, too. Good. Sorry Stay that way. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, but, yeah, definitely exciting. I thought it was a real crescendo. We started off, and it was just very, like, a lot of the earlier um, episodes and, like, the earlier seasons where we're just kind of walking out in expanse, really just taking in the landscape and, the you know, the characters are just walking. We have a lot of that, but um, it crescendos in the middle. There's a pretty awesome scene we'll get into, and then it just keeps on going from there. So, and even the ending, after all the action's done, it, it doesn't stop. Like, it just gives us so much. So, I'm I was excited. So, well, um, let's just get into it then. Okay. So we open up and we kind of zoom in over the painted table at Dragonstone. Now we zoom over the part where we are at Eastwatch. And once we get past that part, we actually zoom in and we see our our gang of adventurers. Um, from now on, I'm just going to call them the Suicide Squad because I think that's everyone on the internet has pretty much adopted that as their uh, their awesome team name. Suicide Squad, like it. So um, we have Tormund, and he's kind of at the beginning of this is like breaking the ice with everyone, and I like to think he does this like with everybody. He's the one that's like, oh. You're new to the wildlands? Hmm. Well, let me joke around with you and show you the office and da 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 da. Like, um, so we have uh, Tormund, John, and we have Gendry. Now, one thing that's really funny to me at this beginning part, there's a lot of little like one liners that a lot of people say when they're walking around in this episode. Um, and Tormund has a couple of them, but the first one here is so funny when they John's like, you know, how is how do you guys get along in the snow without freezing your balls off? And Tormund's like, well, you got to move. And if you can't move, then you fight. And better than fighting is fucking. And John's like, yeah, but there's like not a girl around for like miles and miles and miles. And he's like, oh, we'll make do. And Gendry's like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and then he walks away and he's like, that kid's a dumbass. Like, what the heck? John's like, well, supposedly he can fight. So I, I think he's a good match. He's like, well, he better be because even if he's not smart, fighting's better than being smart. Yeah, I guess so, if you're a wildling. Definitely. So um, I thought that was pretty funny. Then um, Tormund starts talking to John about essentially that why are they out there fighting? And he says that he's not fighting out there for any random person, that he's never seen a, a, a man or a woman to sit on the Iron Throne. He's sitting, he's out there fighting for freedom. Um, and he says to John, you've been spending too much time with the free folk you don't like kneeling. Um and how many people died for Man's Raider's pride? Now, how'd you feel about that? Um, I don't know. What do you mean specifically? Because to me, it seems like Tormund's had a change of heart. Because at the time, he was there when um, Man's Raider was killed. Mm-hmm. And it seems like his point of view is totally different. I think it's matured. You know, before he was kind of like the master at arms for the free folk. And now he's kind of taking over the, the pointed leader. And so I think he has that heavy um, pain on his shoulders. And I think he sees too, like, you know, they were thinking we're going to get South of the wall. We're going to keep on going. We're going to get out of here. And now it's like the free folk are the only one manning really East watch. And now he's having to go out here and do this. They see how close this is. So I think there's a little bit of, 
futility in all of this that they see. And I think that's kind of what he's acknowledging a little bit. It makes me wonder if it's not um, just him that's had this change of heart, if it's the other wildlings, or if there's some pushback from wildlings who are still in the mindset of uh, the old. You know, just like when John took over, um, not recently the King of the North, mm-hmm. but when he took took over the Night's Watch as the Lord Commander, how there was pushback from people who were uh, yeah, for resistant sure. to I the change. I think it's constantly in flux, too. You know? But we haven't really, I don't know how many wildlings are left, but it'd be interesting to kind of see, you know, more of them and kind of see. Doing? Yeah. yeah. That was my one complaint about last episode, really. It was Eastwatch. We see Eastwatch from the outside for like five seconds. And after that, we see the prison cell and then the gate. Like, we really don't see that much of it. So, um, interesting. You know, how are they, how about the food? How are they going to feed all those people? I mean, I guess they were subsistence hunters before, but you would think at the wall there's really not a lot of animals to hunt. Like, especially if you're not going to go anywhere north, you know? Yeah, I'm sure there's some sort of weird little ice worms or... So there there must be stores there, but still, they're used to having not very many people there. So having a huge influx of people is probably a huge strain well, on who, that. Well, who actually knows that they're there? This seems like kind of a covert mission. I'm not sure. Interesting. Yeah, for sure. Well, I don't think they plan on being there long, so they probably like a, brought yeah. enough supplies to get them through and then get out. So they're probably on a time schedule. Yeah, for sure. They're, well, they will be here pretty soon. Um, so then we kind of have, we have our little band of um, Brothers Without Banners, and then we have Gendry. And, you know, Gendry's kind of throwing a little piss fit about it. And um, we have the Hound basically is like, hey, you know what? Like, what are you so pissy about? And Gendry's like, um, okay, you guys sold me basically as a slave. I tried to be one of you guys. And you end up selling me to a red priestess who took blood off my dick and wanted to put me as a sacrifice. And the hound's like, well, yeah, but look at this guy. He's died six times and you're still here. So shut the fuck up. Like, um, I don't know. Pretty, I, I like a lot of the hounds, um transitions in this i think they're really funny similar to your transitions a lot of them yeah that what he says he's like you're not dead quit whinging this one's been dead six times you don't hear him whinging about it like his little words he uses are so funny um gendry starts he by taking a drink and to me that's like a peace offer offering between all of them he realizes maybe that he doesn't completely forgive them but for right now he knows that it's gonna get them killed if they all are fighting so I think they're all kind of comrades in arms at this point. Where in last episode, we kind of were like, eh, I don't feel like there's any hostility between them now. What do you think of them? Well, I think the show is trying to tell us that these are people that are putting aside their differences because of the greater good of the realm. So, you know, a lot of times um, people that go through traumatic incidents are bonded together more tightly so i would expect that you know if this goes well whoever makes it out will definitely kind of consider the other ones more of more favorably than they did going into this Mm -hmm. so it's just kind of like hey let's work out our differences let's get this done 
Um, so then uh, kind of a little bit of a scene after this, um, and this is kind of what I liked about this first part, is everyone's kind of settling their differences or getting everything off their chest that they needed to. So this next part, we have Snow is talking to um, to Jorah, and he is talking basically about the Lord Commander Mormont um, and how he wishes he could have been there to stop it and how he died. Um, and then at the end of that, um, he talks about his dad and kind of the same thing. And then he has a moment of like guilt and he's like, you know what? This was your sword. You should have it back. And Jorah's like, you know, I left that. I, I dishonored my family. I left it knowing full well what I had done and you should take it. He gave it to you. There's a reason why he did it and may it serve you and your, your family and give you guys honor. Um, and he even makes a mention of like, give it to your, you know, your kids. And so we, I, I immediately was like, shit. Cause last episode I was even predicting that George is not coming back from this. Um, as we find out he ends up being fine, but, um, <laughs> there's a couple of close calls where I'm like, Oh shit. Um, so I think he's making peace with this and he knows that he's fighting for his Khaleesi until the end. And so I did, and he knows he's like, he's not going to find someone else. He already, his wife is gone. And the only other person he loves is Khaleesi. And he knows that's not going anywhere. So, um, so we have Arya and Sansa are looking over the courtyard and Arya's having like a really like nostalgic flashback about her father, um, Ned and the courtyard and all the boys playing with bows and arrows and they all leave and she thinks no one's looking and she picks up the bow and she practices and she only has one arrow. And so she, you know, does it 50 times and finally she gets a bullseye and all of a sudden there's clapping up from the, the courtyard or the balcony. And so she looks up and it's her father. And at that time she knew that, you know, the rules weren't in her favor, but that what she was doing was right. And that was right in her father's eyes. Um, and as she's having this kind of heart to heart, we see Sansa like totally engaged in it. She, you know, is feeling the warmth, but at the very end of it, Arya twists it and is basically like, and that's the man that you betrayed. And you're like, oh, wow, 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 wow. Like shit. Shots fired. She pulls out that scroll that we saw in last episode. Um, and she reads it and she's, you know, Sansa's like, oh fuck. Like she is more panicked than I feel like she needs to be about this. Um, which the little finger kind of brings up a little bit later. I do see, you know, yeah, it's probably not the best thing for morale right now, but like everyone's going to know. I mean, technically I think she was supposed to be like 12 or 13 when that happened. Like no one's going to be like, Oh, what a treasonous cunt. Like blah, blah, blah. So then we kind of, um, end up talking and, uh, Sansa and Arya are basically going back and forth and trading blows and Arya's like now he's dead he's killed by Lannisters and with your help and Sansa's like I was just a child and Arya's like well what about Lady Mormont she's just a young child like would you would you tell her that blah 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 and then Sansa's like well you were there too like why didn't you do anything and you can tell that just gets Arya like she wasn't even prepared for that because I think that's one thing that she blames herself and that was kind of the whole transformation of her into this character we see now is because she was so helpless to help her father um and so and i think too when she looks back in her mind's eye of that moment she sees sansa up there wearing the dress being with the lannisters that she can't forgive her for that for that part um even if she you know had no part in it and she was held captive 
um, completely different situations, you know, it's like, I don't know what I would like, would you rather, you know, be held captive by the people who murdered your family and be, you know, living this life of luxury, but the entire time having a finger pressed on you, you know, just waiting for you to fuck up so they can, you know, squish you out of existence? Or is it better to hit the road and run and live completely off of, you know, just the bag on your back, having to dodge soldiers left and right, getting captured, doing this and that? I don't know. They're well, two completely different roads. Well, they both, they both, truthfully, they've both been through the ringer. Oh, for I sure. I think Arya has a different kind of mindset because she's felt so helpless for... Um, and a lot of different times there was the Ned. Then she also saw that um, she also saw Rob, you mm. know, where he had the wolf Red head. Letting, yep. Totally. Yeah. Um, there were times where she saw Gendry get sold off. I mean, that'll be an interesting reunion. And mm. I'm wondering, too, why Gendry doesn't say anything about, hey, I know your sister. I know your sister, John. Yeah. Yeah, probably not. I mean, at this point, um, probably not real heavy on his mind. He has a lot more shit to worry about than a little girl. Because at that point, that's all she really was, you know, a lost little girl. Now she's pretty badass, but he won't see that until later, I'm sure. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, I don't know. It, It's, you know, they both need to just sit the fuck down and like actually talk about what they've gone through. Like all these Starks have such a fucking problem talking that they would realize right away that they're getting played by Littlefinger. Um, yeah. So Sansa basically says that she's afraid of the Northern, um, Lords reading this and then taking off because she feels like their allegiance right now is not very strong. Um, shaky at best. Totally. And, then she kind of reminds Arya, she's like, Arya, what would Cersei think if she saw us fighting right now? She'd be so happy to see us at each other's throats. And Arya says that she would rather go out with anger instead of fear. Okay. So um, we're back to our Suicide Squad. Um, and we have Tormund now talking with the Hound. Um, and this is another little quip that I love. Of, um, so <laughs> this one's actually my, probably my favorite quip that he says. But... Um, he's going on, he's like, you know, why are you so sad? Like, even though you're called the hound, like, I don't think you're really that angry. Like you have sad eyes. Um, and <laughs> the hound is like, well, I hate gingers basically. And, uh, Tormund's like, well, you shouldn't because gingers are beautiful. They're kissed by fire just like you. And he tries to get him to talk about, you know, how he got his scars. Um, did he fall into, you know, a fire? Um, and the hound's like, well, do you want to suck my dick? And <laughs> Torment's like, suck uh, what? And like confused, doesn't know what dick means. And he says, you know, dick, cock. And he's like, ah, dick, I like it. <laughs> and the hound's like, I bet you do. <laughs> and then he's like, nope, pussy for me. I got a big old tall woman waiting for me. And he's like, oh, fuck, Brienne. Jesus. Christ. He knew exactly who he was talking so about. So funny. And um, then he's I hope like, they get together. Oh, they're totally dangling it, yeah. Um, even though they're not anywhere close to each other at all now. But, um, yeah, he wants to make babies with her big old monster babies to rule the world. So, super funny. So, we have Beric Dondarrion, and he's talking with Jon Snow. Um, and he basically saying, you don't look much like your father. Um, and 
you know, my father sent me to go find the mountain. Um, and John and him kind of have a little heart to heart about, you know, they've both been brought back by the Lord of light. Um, and why is that? And, you know, what does he want? And, um, Barrick's like, you know, I've thought a lot about that and I don't really have any answers, but I do know that I'm a soldier in this war and we're fighting the first enemy and the last and that's death. Um, and John's like, yeah, but death always wins. And Barrick's like, yeah, but that doesn't mean you don't fight. Um, in fact, that's the bigger reason to fight. Um, even though the enemy always wins, we still need to fight him. Um, and he says, we won't find much pleasure here, but we can defend those who, um, can't defend themselves. And then John recites the, the night's watch kind of motto. Um, I'm the shield that guards the realms of men. And he says, well, maybe that's enough. These two for sure are very united in arms. And I think that this is maybe, um, the first time that we really see the Lord of light in a positive manner. Um, I don't know about you. I think the first time that I saw the Lord of Light as not like a sketch, super. well, I mean, I still see it as super sketch, but what made me not hate it is when John came back. Yeah. I. It's still kind of, you know, bringing someone back from the dead to me is still kind of like uh, a little bit like what we try to do with Call uh, Drogo. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. you know, and every time that happens, I'm kind of like, eh, is your soul still there? So obviously, like, <laughs> he's still the same. But um, as far as seeing kind of like the positivity and like this is a common goal, I feel like this way the band of um, the Brothers Without Banners are kind of approaching this makes me feel a lot different than the way Melisandre was. And Melisandre was just, like, really misguided. Um, so I'm not sure. But, yeah, it makes me feel kind of like, woo, Lord of Light. I don't know. Well, um, why is... Did I miss the part of why um, Thoros is a raging alcoholic? Um, No, but he definitely is. Like, for sure. I don't know if you noticed this or not, but um, we kind of have something that I realized and I only really realized it at the end of these scenes, but, um, we have the hound and the hound used to be a raging alcoholic. Um, not, I wouldn't say like horrible, horrible, but he definitely drank a lot. Um, and he kind of drank to deal with his problems. And right around the same time he met Arya, they stopped. Um, and we haven't seen him since when he was with that kind of group of people that was, um, worshiping the lord of light that all got kind of murdered or they weren't worshiping the light of light they were worshiping the seven. Oh, the uh where he was building the stuff yeah and uh, that was the seven the right because and... of the brothers without banners that's mm-hmm. how he met them as they anyways essentially he hasn't drank this entire time we haven't seen him put anything to his lips and then something happens here in a little bit and he first thing he does is put it back to his lips so i wonder if that's going to be kind of something coming back him dealing with those personal demons. Um, but we come across a huge mountain. Um, and that's the is, one he had in the vision. Yep. Yeah, so the hound says, um, this is what I saw in the fire. It's a mountain that looks like an arrowhead. We're getting close. Okay. So our next scene, we have Danny and we have Tyrion and they're kind of having a little heart to heart. So this scene is pretty awesome. We have Tyrion gets a chance to actually talk to, um, Danny, just like Varys had wanted him to. Um, and they're, pretty honest now there's a point in the conversation where it turns to a little bit too honest um but for the first part 
it's somewhat interesting. He's basically um, talking with her and she's saying, you know, I'm really glad that you're not a hero. All these hero types, you know, they go off. Jon Snow is a hero. And he goes, well, I'm pretty sure Jon Snow is all about that. And she goes, no. And he's like, yeah, he looks at you all the time. He's super into you. She goes, well, whatever. It's just they go off and they're, they're stupid. And then she kind of goes, well, what are we doing while they're gone? And he's like, well, you know, I'm we're going to go. We're going to do this thing. It should be fine. Um, I've talked to Jamie. He's going to have the Lannister forces in check. We shouldn't have to worry about that. She goes, well, what about your sister? And he goes, well, right now she's planning a trap for us and figuring out if we have a trap for her. And she's like, well, did we have a trap for her? And he's like, well, nah, I don't really want to do that because you're a better person than that. Um, if you want to break the cycle, you want to break the wheel, this is what we have to do. And then that kind of turns into a, a kind of a darker conversation where, you know, if you want to break the wheel, that's going to take kind of more than your lifetime. And if you end up dying really soon, who's going to take over? So we need to choose kind of a successor and it doesn't necessarily need to be your progeny because from what you've said, you can't have children. Um, she kind of takes offense to this and is kind of like, you need to step the fuck back. Like you have been giving me way too bad short-term advice. So I'll start listening to your long-term advice when the short-term uh, kind of works out. So when I sit upon the Iron Throne, that's when we'll bring this up again. Um, so kind of interesting. What did you think about that, Anel? This bitch. Danny isn't going to die. That's what I think. They're bringing it up too many different ways of, you know, her successor and don't get on that dragon because if something happens to you, blah, blah, blah. I don't think that she's going to make it to the end. I think she'll get close, but she's already showing more than one different occasion. She's showing the signs that she can fly off the handle. All it's going to take is one false move. And, um, you know, who knows who will take her out. Cersei can, she can fall from one of Cersei's traps. Night's King can get her, you know. I don't know how she's going to go out, but she's too unstable. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you can see her kind of turning on Tyrion. Back when I said, look, back at the, what do you call it? The painted table? Dragonstone? Yeah. Back when Elena was there. Oh, yeah. Said it before. Mm, she's starting to cut Tyrion off. She's starting to, like, do some weird stuff. And, you know, you see it here. They're being, you know, open and honest with each other. He says something about, what did he say? He's like, oh, and then if you die, and she's like, oh, I've been thinking about my death. And it's like, you know, he's the hand of the king, or the queen. He's supposed to think about these things. But she's too far up her own power aid. I don't see it that way. I mean, I, I see parts of it, and I definitely don't think she's safe by any means. But um, I think it is... Tyrion is, like, sitting back kind of like, no, 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 no. And I think she's right, you know? He is way too comfortable right now for someone who is given horrible advice. And I don't understand why she should really be listening to an advisor that can't get anything right. Um, and who really is, like... Eh, yeah, I love my brother still. Oh, my brother? Oh, what, who is he? Oh, the closest person to the queen that we're fighting. Weird. Like, 
it does seem like an oxymoron. So I think she needs to be questioning that. And, you know, this is the first time since she's gotten over here that she really seems to be acting like a queen instead of being like, now, what does everyone want me to do? Well, she just did that um, when John left. Like, what's your advice? So it's like she wants to be a queen sometimes, and then other times she wants to be helpless and people tell her what to do. Mm-hmm. So I think that was the whole, like, the entire time when she had advisors when she was in SS was like that though to me it was like she didn't do anything until it was like the very end and she was forced to do it like so I don't know when she was doing that and she was in you know um Slaver's Bay like everything she was doing was what her advisors wanted her to do until at the very end with the Sons of the Harpy she was like that's why she rose up is because she made her own decisions she took the initiative she did it that's the same way I feel like here you know, the only time she's getting things done and it's actually the only one we've had for her side at all this time is when she got on her fucking dragon and go went and burned them down. And that was against the advice of Jon Snow and against the, the advice of Tyrion and everyone else. So be it as it may, if she's acting like a crazy queen, like that's the only time anything gets fucking done. But that's still based on fear and not respect. And that's her playing right into Cersei saying, you know, to the rest of the, the realm there. Look, she's she's crazy. She's gonna burn everything mm-hmm. down. So, yeah, I, don't know. I mean, I I don't think. I mean, honestly, it's like there isn't a way to do this. This is such a, a hypothetical. Like, oh, if you could do this, there is no situation in real life or in this made up universe where you can take power away from someone else that has armies and can kill you without that that fear. There's no way to do it. It just doesn't work. We try to do that in countries like, you know, Afghanistan and Iraq, and it doesn't work. Like, the people don't fucking trust you no matter what. So the only way to do it is to take over with brute force and fear. Um, One thing I do want to comment on this um, without getting too far into it. This is a big kind of plot point in the books, um, especially at the end of the first book. Um, And I can't remember when we were watching it or not, but Danny in the book Basically, after she um, kind of sold her son um, kind of unknowingly to save Drogo, um, is barren. Um, and the the old witch is basically like, you'll never have kids until you see Drogo again, basically. So at the, when you die. Um, has that been said here? I could not remember that. You mean back in season one? Yeah, when she comes, you know, and burns the witch alive right before then. Um, when she basically saves Drogo's life, but he's like a zombie, um, is the old witch lady like, um, you're never going to have kids because of that. It sounds familiar, but it's been so long. I don't remember it because I remember in the book, I was kind of like, oh yeah, when that got to it. And when we talked about it again here, this is the first time it's really been brought up, um, that she's specifically not going to have kids. I mean, it kind of makes sense. She got pregnant like right away with Carl and she's like fucked everyone else and (laughs) hasn't, but. You know what I mean? Kind of interesting. At, uh, up until this point, I never thought that she wouldn't have kids. Yeah. I, I mean, I knew it. I just don't know how. Yeah. I don't know. I, maybe it was just me being stupid, but yeah. So, it, yeah, it must have been brought up or like somehow because I, I had that knowledge and I don't know how I would have gotten it because I haven't read the book. Okay. Um, so, yeah, interesting situation. Um, we can We can talk about more about that later. Um, 
yeah, we they have a little conversation about the Tarleys and you know what he thinks that should have been done. Um, easy to say in the moment, but in hindsight, we don't have that. You know, who knows what would have happened if we would have had Dickon saved and murdered his father in front of him with dragon flame? Maybe he would have risen up and had a resistance. You know, so who's to say who was uh, right about that? But um, we go back eventually, and we are back in the snow plains. And we have everyone looking out, and we have one of our, now, I want to call them red shirts, because in Star Trek, whenever you have someone in in a red shirt that came on um, for the episode, you're like, these people are going to die. And that's like everyone besides our main characters that is in the Suicide Squad. You're like, um, hmm, I can barely see your face. That's probably because you're going to die, and that's totally what happens. But we have one of these guys out in the front kind of scouting. And um, John and Tormund and Jorah are like, what is that in the distance? Um, And they're like, oh, fuck, it's a bear, a big fucker. And then I can't remember who says it. I think it is Jorah, but they're like, do bears have blue eyes? And we're like, fuck. Dun, dun, dun. Crazy fucking blue eyed, crazy zombie bear. What did you think about this, Anel? Were you like, holy shit, this like really, this is where this crescendo like really got me? I started thinking like, I wonder if I'm going to see one of those ice spiders. I'm sure I will by the end of this. Maybe next episode. I want episode. to. Like horribly bad. But so two people end up dying in this bear fight. Um, and it's pretty Red fucking bro- brutal. I think this might be heightened by the fact here in Alaska this summer, we've had like 16 people die from bear attacks and it like the bears have gone nuts. They're insane up here, but um, it's like kind of freaking me out a little bit. (laughs) So when I saw this, I was like, Oh, triggered. Like um, this is, seems pretty fucking realistic to what it's like to fucking get attacked by a bear. Have you had that happen to you? No, I'm just saying like speculation. They're tossing this bear is tossing around everyone like a fucking rag doll. Allegedly. So we have the two basically nobodies end up dying. Um, and can I just say thank God for these no name people? Actually, I didn't I want anyone to one. die. I think it's just one that dies in this part. The other one looks like he's dead and he comes back, but then he dies later. Um, but yeah, so main thing though is Thoros gets fucking owned by this bear. Good thing um, he's been drinking this entire time. <laughs> seriously. Um, but the thing that kind of sucks is it's like he's getting like directly attacked and like everyone else is just standing back like fuck. Finally, we have Tormund come in and save the day. Actually, but, hold um, on. was it Tormund or Jorah that stabs him in the head and he dies? Oh, I don't remember. I think it's Jorah, actually. I think Tormund tries to help, but it doesn't. But anyway, sorry. Well, if you are the Night's King, and I I mean, I didn't take it that way. I just took it like this bear is part of the army of the dead. But if you know anything about this group of people, and if magic exists to the extent that magic recognizes other magic, then you're going to know of this group, who are you going to take out first? The one that can resurrect the other people. Just like they are looking at the Night's King thinking, hmm, who's the best person to take out? The Night's King. So, Almost like the Night's King was controlling the bear. So why do you ask that Thoros was targeted? Probably because they're going to target the most valuable person. And that's the person that can revive and... Yeah. I mean, the other thing, too, is um, Thoros is the one waving around the fire 
and setting the bear on fire pisses the bear off quite a yeah, bit. Yeah, I guess so that's like a side note. That whatever. could totally be it too. But um, yeah, I, lo- I love seeing the combat in here with the stark whites and then the crazy fire flames. It's awesome. Um, but yeah, so we have, you know, Clegane is like literally kind of standing in the back like, uh, uh, fire, which we kind of, okay, we get it. But we thought you were a little over it. it kind of reminded me of like Reek. <laughs> you're like hey i thought you're fucking over this like seriously i think um, everyone like everyone has ptsd yeah it's just kind of like we kind of knew this coming into this man like if we're gonna set something on fire you're with fire warriors get over it like but i don't know it could be just it's a huge fucking bear um <laughs> but then we have jorah comes in he has um he tries to use um his his stuff um i think he um no that's later on um they basically try to use their weapons and nothing works so jorah then kind of stabs it in the head and it looks like it's with a obsidian blade but i'm not sure um and the, the bear goes down now here's my question to you a why didn't they go right away for using valerian steel or obsidian and B, why didn't it explode? Why would it explode? Why didn't it explode? Why would it explode, though? Every time they do anything with White Walker or any of the dead, and they cut them with Valerian Steel or Obsidian, they explode. And, you know, shatter, not explode. But Oh, I see what you're saying. I was like, I was a little confused. I was thinking, is there a bomb in this thing? No, but you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. why immediately there's blue eyes, so they know this is an undead agent. Why aren't they immediately like Valyrian steel sword, obsidian fucking knife? Bam. They're like, let's use this fire blade and piss it off. It just seems weird to me. That is interesting. Good question. Am I incorrect in that? I, I thought it was every single member of the undead army explodes when you do that. I didn't. Is it just White Walkers themselves? I did not catch on. And as far as I am aware, I mean, have you seen anything besides Whites get killed? Just the one Night's King in uh, Heart I thought Home. That ha- I thought we saw this in Heart Home. Time to rewatch Heart Home so you can remember what true genius episodes look like. Yeah, and just kind of interesting. I mean, maybe they just didn't get to it or it thematically didn't make sense, but yeah, kind of interesting they didn't go for that right away. Um unless it's and also for kind some of, reason this is different than the typical one. Yeah, and it's also just kind of interesting too like if there is a difference, why there's a difference in that, you know, you would think the magic that controls white walkers would be kind of the same with other people so well, is it possible that that thing's alive that it's just possessed it, it looks pretty fucking dead like it looks pretty mangy um but well, yeah, if I'm you not... were on fire and before it's even on fire time. it looks like really like skinny and fucking like droopy and like parts of its patchiness is gone so we see what happens with thoros um he is pretty fucked up um horrible wounds i thought he was dead right there that's Um, what happens when you fight a bear baromir basically burns and cauterizes the wounds with his sword um and with a couple chugs out of his flask he's up and at it again but 
we all kind of know better than that. Um, while he can still walk, it's pretty struggled, and at best, he's probably going to be a liability to everybody. Um, <clears throat> Too bad yeah. he can't revive himself. Yeah, right? Seriously. Um, but yeah, I mean, getting bit by a dead bear, he's lucky he's A, alive right now, and B, not turn into a white zombie, because that's what I always feel like they're like. Um, so then we cut back to Winterfell, and this time, instead of Arya and Sansa, we have Sansa and Littlefinger. So they're basically just bringing up why <coughs> Arya is doing this, how she got the scroll. Littlefinger, like, pleads the fifth to all of it. And in the end, he basically is saying, you know, you have a bunch of people that are here are loyal to you, and Sansa's like, fuck, no, they're not. They're, like, windmills. They'll go left and right. They're here loyal to my brother. Now they're loyal to me. They're just looking for a reason to go and march home. So um, she's kind of worried about it. And then Littlefinger kind of brings up, oh, well, Lady Brienne, she's sworn to protect both of you. And if Arya's threatening you, then she would have to protect you, right? So here's Littlefinger pushing a little, a little, uh, you know, pawn into the game. Um, <clears throat> and Arya seems to be thinking about it pretty seriously. But as we'll see later... I don't really think Arya that's the, or Sansa. Sorry, Sansa is thinking about this pretty seriously, but I think as we see later, I think something's going on here. So I think she's just—it's bad news to even bounce ideas off that man. Right. Exactly. She knows. She has to know in some some manner of fact. Okay, so we have basically Jorah is helping um, Thoros here. Now he looks a lot like a pile of shit. And it's going to die real soon. He's super pale. He can barely get his flask out. It seems like the only thing that's fueling him, not having the pain, is this drinking whatever he's drinking. Um, And at first I thought this was wine. It's something much stronger than that because they light it on fire later. Um, And we kind of have Jorah take a look at the wounds. And, you know, at first watch when I saw this, I felt like Jorah was kind of just reminiscing, kind of like everyone else was throughout the beginning part of this episode. I think actually Jorah knows how close to death Thoros is and he's actually trying to give him like a good memory of his deeds right before he passes because it's that apparent. I mean, if you look at him, we're looking at him on screen right now and it's just like, he's dead as a doornail. Like man bun gone. Another one bites the dust. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the story basically that he brings up is how he charged on Pike that everyone there thought he was a God because of his flaming sword and, you know, how did you do that? And da da da. And um, he goes, I don't even remember it. I had to learn about it like everyone else by hearing the stories of it. Um, and Jorah kind of finishes it by saying, you know, you're the bravest man I ever saw. And he said, nope, but I was the drunkest. So um, going to go out like it came in. Drunk. Super drunk. <clears throat> so then we have everyone is looking up kind of on this gorge and they're like, oh, be quiet. And they look down and they see that there is a group of um, the undead and then there's White Walker. And they go, this is where we're going to do it. So they go down to this gorge, they light a fire, and this kind of draws them in. Um, the White Walker leads his little army. He has about 10 people, so about pretty evenly matched. Um, but remember, there's a, there's a White Walker, so definitely more powerful. Um, and they ambush them. So <clears throat> they end up fighting. Um the fight seems to be going pretty reasonably well, but then Jorah starts to get choked by multiple um, of the of the dead. Um, 
and we're kind of like, oh, this isn't actually going as well as we thought. But as soon as John slices the White Walker with his Valerian Steel sword, he explodes or um, shatters into a million little pieces. As soon as he does that, every other one of the White, um, every one of the undead shatters as well. Now, we can only assume that this is because this White Walker made these ones. Now, there's kind of also a benefit to this. There's one of the undead that doesn't shatter. And so this is perfect for their plan. So they all kind of surround him. Um, they jump on him, tie his hands, um, put a hood over his head. And they're like, okay, we got to fucking get this done. As soon as they do that, they hear thunder on the clouds. And as we know, that's how kind of the White Walkers come. There's a blizzard that kind of precedes them and they swarm. So they know shit's going down. They decide to go, hey, we need someone to get news of this to Eastwatch. We need to let them know, hey, this is what the Valerian Seal Swords and the Obsidian do. If you kill the one who makes them, it kills all the rest. And we need to try to get some help because this is not going to fucking work out. And Bran used up all these damn ravens. Ain't nobody right. got ravens no more. Goddamn Bran. Um, so we decide that we are going to have... Gendry. Gendry. Um, to kind of do the mini Olympic Forrest run. Gump. Run, Jenny, run. Run, Gendry. Um, he tries to take his hammer with him, which I would want to take some weapon with me running in the wilds, but I mean, they I get said it would didn't. slow him down. But uh, here's my, my um, gripe about this. That you're drinking yourself. <laughs> here's my gripe about this. Like, when... Did we ever hear reference of Gendry being this Olympic runner? You know, I thought this too. And then I like, I looked and everyone else is old as fuck. They're like old as fuck or they're a big Hulk and men. Jon Snow's the only one that, you know, doesn't fit that description. And he's kind of the leader of it. He's not going to be like, good luck, you guys. Peace out. I'm going to go run back to Eastwatch. He's also the one that they have the most questions about his fighting skills. He hasn't been in an army. He hasn't fought in front of them. So, I mean, he didn't help with the bear. But it just seems like in this episode, you see a whole lot of Olympic skills demonstrated by all sorts of different characters that yeah. you never have seen the likes of before. Right. Totally. Um like if I see that John can like windsurf, I'm I'm done. Oh, he can for sure. Um, that's funny. Um, so yeah, I, I I think this is pretty. It's the logical choice, but yeah, it does seem kind of like oh, you're here. Goodbye. It's, just, it's like, and it's just out of the blue. Like it and, is totally. Um, good thing they do it though. And how does he know his way back? This dude I mean, has. I think it's a pretty. He's never line. even seen snow. We that's all true. know how it I mean, looks like. That's another thing. He's never even seen snow. So like, fuck. Where is everyone's hats? Yeah, it's weird, but um, at least we have someone. I mean, this is really the only way where we can drive the action to have a resolution because we were saying this last week. How the fuck are they going to pull this off? You can't just walk into the armies of the dead. And be like, well, we got we got a sleigh, and we're gonna just run this White Walker back. So, um, this is what kind of drives it. So, he runs off, leaves his hammer, and um, 
basically the other group, they kind of take off towards a lake. Um, and in the middle of the lake, there's kind of an outcropping. And that's where they're going to make way. Now, they get halfway on the lake, and it starts cracking. And they're like, oh, shit. But they turn around, and it's crazy how many people are behind them. So they're like, fuck it. We got to do it. So they run on there. They kind of avoid the cracks. Um, they're narrowly just make it. Um, there's a couple of the undead that come upon them. They have to fight them off. But then pretty much all at once, the the ice is so weak that most of the undead fall around them. And everyone that was behind them stops. Um, we look up and we see that there is the Night's King and the other White Walkers, a kind of a group of six of them on horses overlooking this kind of situation. So we feel like this is definitely a setup situation. Um, they've been waiting. It's almost like the Night's King was ambushing them. Did you get that feeling from this? Mm-hmm. So we have basically everyone um, standing their ground, completely surrounded in every direction. Um, and, and there's like thousands. Thousands, literally. Um and we kind of get this hopeless feeling, like they're fucked. It is very similar to the feeling we had in the Battle of the Bastards, where they're ready to fight, but this is just a hopeless situation. So um, really kind of like, um, well, there's only one way this can go. So we go back and we see that Gendry has made it to Eastwatch. Um, Not quite. About 20 well, yards away. <laughs> 20 yards away, but everyone else will let him in. Thank God for that. Um, so... We basically see that they're going to send off ravens, um, and we cut back, and it is in the morning, and Thoros has died. Um, he looks like he went peacefully, though. Pretty fucking shit-faced drunk. Um, yeah, that's what the hound said. Yeah, literally. Um, he's so crazy dead. Like... <laughs> I was not expecting it to be like, oh, wake in the morning, he's dead. Like, I thought he was going to go a little bit here in the battle. But- well, I, as I've said before, definitely if you are familiar with wintertime anywhere. Yeah, drinking does not mix with. Well, not only that, but like, how are these other people alive? I yeah. want to know. Hypothermia sets in. I mean, no hats, no earmuffs, no scarf. I mean, I won't say it again, but there, I've said my piece. Go ahead, Corey. Okay. Um, so, because he Thoros is dead, we all know, hmm, well, if the, if the Night's King can raise someone, and we're on the middle of an island, and there's a dead person, we should probably get rid of the body, because otherwise we're going to get fucked in the ass. If I was the rest of those people, I'd be like, where was that fucking fire all night long? <laughs> right. You should have been lit that sword. Uh, seriously. Um, so they decide to burn him. They spit out. Um, this is where we have um, the hound takes a chug out of the flask. And then before he can drink anymore, they're like, no, we needed to burn the body. So they put that in his body. They light a, a sword on fire. And then they put that to his body. And he lights up like like it was absolute. Like, like Christmas. Crazy. So that was some pretty strong stuff he was drinking. Um, and then they start talking about their situation. They look up and they see the Night's King kind of overlooking them. Um, they have, you know, the four white walkers behind them on horses with lances. The Night King has a lance. And basically John's like, hey, if we can kill, if we kill the one that makes the other ones and they die, then if we kill the Night's King, since he made all the other ones, 
then they're all done. So that's what we're going to have to do. It's like, John, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> he is so far away from you. You have no weapons. You're surrounded. Doesn't make any sense. So, um, they're kind of like, okay, well we can't do that. Um, we go back to Winterfell and we have Sansa gets a Raven from basically King's Landing saying that it is requested that she comes and has an audience with the queen. So Sansa is like, and eh, thanks, but no thanks, but I do need to send someone there. So she has Brienne of Tarth basically go in her stead and Brienne's like, you know, Lay Sansa, what are you doing? Like, I need to be here to protect you against Littlefinger. You know, he's a scheming bitch. And she's like, well, you know, I have other people here that can protect me. I have other loyal people. And she goes, well, yeah, but he's been making backdoor deals with people. Like we've seen him. Like, you still feel safe? And she's like, yeah, I'm fine. I told you you need to go. And it's a long journey, so you better fucking get on your way. I think this is part of a bigger scheme. But, um, like, to me, there's no reason that Cersei would have requested Sansa because John's the king. So if Cersei wanted an audience, she would not bother herself with Sansa. Yeah, I. to me, I felt like this was everybody in the whole kingdom is going to be gathered around to see this. So the Ravens went out to every major place. Does that make sense? Yeah. So um, I see why they're requesting her, but um, yeah, I don't see why she's choosing Brienne unless it's specifically for this other Arya kind of conflict resolution. So um, we'll get into that in a little bit. So <clears throat> then we flash to Dragonstone. Real cool scene where you see all Super three dragons. Super cool scene. Um, I have to say the CGI on this is just awesome. Like dragons are so easy to look fucking fake and horrible. Um, and they all look awesome. So, um, shout out to them, but she gets on the one dragon. And that was the one thing I was wondering too, is she can just take Drogo or is she going to take all of them and they all take off and you're just like, Oh my God. Um, kind of much the chagrin of, uh, Tyrion. He does not want her to go. Um, but by this point, she's like, I got to. He's one of my only allies. So <clears throat> then we cut back to our suicide squad in the middle of the lake. And we have uh, Clegane, and he is throwing stones. And he throws one and hits one of the undead um, in the jaw, and it pops off. And he's like, fuck you, you cunt. And then he does it again. But this time, it slides on the ice and doesn't fall through. And he's like, oh, fuck. What a stupid idiot. At that moment, everyone is like, well, we're all going to die. Um, all the armies of the dead start marching. Um, and they're not falling through. It's solid ice. So they all kind of um, band up together. Um, the the one fire sword gets lit on fire by um, uh, Bandarian. Everyone takes their kind of their arms. So Tormund has the, the war hammer. And they are ready to have this battle, even though they know it's pretty hopeless. So, um, some pretty awesome fighting ensues. Um, they look like they're actually getting um, quite a good ways through the battle, for considering they have like 10 people left. Tormund basically hits someone with a hammer and he keeps on coming back. So that hammer is basically useless. He tosses it aside and pretty quickly he gets overrun by a bunch of the undead. Um a bunch of them start tackling him. As soon as he gets them off, they start dragging his feet. Some of them even come up through the broken water and grab his legs, trying to pull him down to an icy grave. 
Um, and he looks like he's on his way out. And this is right here where I was like, oh my fucking God, like he's going to die. Um, and he ends up getting saved. So everyone basically huddles up. Jon Snow gives the kind of like fallback, but they're surrounded. So they kind of huddle up. This is so like the Battle of the Bastards where they are just surrounded. And they, um, as they circle up and get tight, John kind of looks behind them. There's a little bit of a ledge and the undead are just piling up to meet them. John has this little PTSD moment and he had this at the Battle of the Bastards too, where he basically is like, okay, I'm ready to die and I'm going to go out swinging. And as soon as he goes to raise his sword to kill all the, the white walkers that are coming up the back, you see fire and Danny comes with her dragons and they burn those fuckers to a crisp. That was such a sweet moment. Awesome moment. Um, and you see, like, really, Danny's able to guide these dragons or at least communicate with them. Like, no, don't kill the ten people in the middle, but everyone else you want to kill. Like, this fire stream is just so close to everyone else. And we know how horrible this stuff is if you get close to it. So um, the way that she was able to kind of eliminate all the threat around them um, is pretty amazing. Then we have... What is one of the most depressing things I've ever seen? Um, I don't even want to talk about it. I know I'm depressed right now about it. Essentially, everyone gets loaded up. They get the one walker um, and put it on the back of the dragon, Drogo. And as soon as they get loaded up, they're like, John, hurry the fuck up. And John gets torn by a couple of them. And so they're waiting, they're waiting. And the Night's King starts to approach. Now, the entire time the Night's King's just been sitting there doing shit. And he grabs his spear. And we think, as the audience, that he's going to go and spear Drogon. But he actually aims for... So he actually aims for Viserion. It hits Viserion, immediately spraying blood all over the air. Um, you hear the dragons screaming. Viserion falls to the ground, hits the ice, falls through the crack, and basically goes in the water. You see his little eyeballs close, and it's so sad. It's extremely sad. Um, now, at the time, we don't really see anything but just like a "what the fuck just happened" on Danny's face. Um, but as soon as John sees that, he's like, "Fuck that shit!" And he's like, "Leave, get the fuck out of here! Don't worry about me!" Like, li- like he's attached to these dragons too. At this point, he's like, "Get the fuck out! You can't risk them anymore. You've already done enough." Um, and he's like, I'm going to fucking take down that Night King. And he walks in and as soon as that happens, he gets basically pulled in and pulled into the water. So John is plunged to his icy grave, as we think. Um, we don't feel like this is going to be one of those, um, anyone coming back because everyone else takes off. Um, they are like, he's dead. So they take off. Um, right then the Night King is running another lance. And as he shoots it over at Drogon, Drogon kind of slips and almost doesn't take off, but as he does, he pushes all the army of the dead back, flies in the air, and as they do that, Jorah almost falls off. And I thought Jorah was a fucking goner. You were betting on it. But he's not. He gets pulled back on. Um, They kind of look as they fucking go off, and they see just everything decimated. Everywhere where the dragon essentially burned, there's open ice. Um, It's a shit show. So... So we kind of have this overhead shot as we fly by, and we see this like the decimation of the area. Now, although 
they burned quite a few of them, there's still a large majority of this group that are still there. And we see there is a couple flames next to the Night King and the, the White Walkers, but it does not appear that they're hurt at all. And I didn't even see any fire streams going that way. So um, I don't think they really did any damage to them. But we've lost one dragon. And for that one dragon, we didn't really gain that much. I mean, we've lost Jon Snow right now, as far as we know. And really, all they got was what they came for. So they got that, but they didn't decimate the army. They didn't do any damage. They didn't really learn anything more than what they knew before. So it's a pretty high price to pay. Um, just when we think he is out of the game, Jon Snow pops out of the water. And luckily, there is his Valyrian steel sword right in front of the ice. And he grabs it as he props himself up. Um, so... Basically, John gets up, pulls himself out of the water, and is like, immediately we're like, he's going to fucking die of hypothermia. He's all by himself. There's a bunch of undead that have left, but they're nearby, so he can't really start a fire. What's he going to do? So he gets up, um, kind of makes his way, and some undead notice him. They end up coming, going to attack him, and we're like, he's a downer. He can barely even move. His joints are just completely you know, frozen. And then all of a sudden we see a ball of fire pops up and we go, Oh my God, I've seen this before. And this is his uncle, the lone wolf. So his uncle has come to save him. Um, Benjamin comes, basically puts him on the horse. John's like, get on the horse with me. And he's like, there's no time. And he's like, go. And he rides off to eat to watch. And he sees Benjamin basically attacking the undead as he goes. And, we saw this last time when we had, um, when we saw Benjen at the wall fighting the undead, and he was—he's here again, so he might be back. But it's—it seems like he's dead. Um, although he's kind of dead already, so I don't know if he can die. <laughs> it's a kind of a big mystery, but we don't feel like this is going to be, a, you know, an ace in the hole ever again. This has happened twice now. Probably not going to happen again. Um. So then we cut, and we see basically Tregane and um, everybody loading the undead soldier into the boat. They're going to take it on the boat and sail down to King's Landing. And we see Danny at the top of the wall with um, the two remaining dragons flying by. And she's looking out into the tree line, waiting for Jon Snow. She still has faith that he's alive. And just as she turns around, he comes back. So we get on the ship. And we see Jon Snow is pretty out of it. They strip him down so he's, you know, kind of can get warm. Um, and then Danny conveniently gets to see the stab wound in his heart. So now she knows that it wasn't just a myth, that he did really die. So then we cut back to Winterfell. And we have Sansa is going through Arya's things. And she comes across, and we don't know what she's looking for right here. Did you pick that up at all, Anel? I I thought she was snooping around in Littlefinger's room Me for too. a while. Totally. Um, it, we find out it's Arya's. She finds that there's a leather bag under the bed, and she opens it up, and there are it's a bunch of her faces, and I think it's uh, Walter Frey's face and someone else's. I didn't recognize the other one. Um, and freaky as fuck. Like we really haven't revisited that in a while. The faces thing, and holy shit, like it is super creepy. <laughs> like, yeah, makes me feel real bad. Um, so. Sansa turns around and Arya is right there and they have kind of the exchange 
and we kind of get the feeling that for the first time Arya's kind of psychopath like <laughs> and Sansa kind of rightfully so is scared um and we feel for her um but kind of when we think things are going to escalate Arya hands her cat's paw and is kind of like see I'm not afraid of you at all gives her the blade and then walks out so it was kind of like building all this tension but nothing happened um so kind of interesting um so we go back on the ship and we see that Jon Snow wakes up and he grabs Danny's hand and he's like I'm like literally the first thing he does when he wakes up is like I'm so sorry like because he knows that those were her children like and she even says you know basically I I don't have any children like these are my children and he killed one of them like let's go and get that fucking bastard and John agrees and they're like all holdy hands and you feel like they're definitely romantic uh interest sparking right now even if it's over tragedy and then we cut back to the Night's King and he is dragging that dragon out of the water and he gets it up walks over touches it and its eye opens and it's blue and we faded black so overall what did you think well i thought the beginning of the episode was really slow and i mean i felt like they could have put it to better use by making um not so not i mean not saying that all conversation has to be serious but um i would have liked to see the conversation with gendry to john about aria i would have liked to see the conversation with the hound to john and aria i would have liked to see um just just more conversations about um more serious topic not just like the but um bump ching mm-hmm. you know but i mean i guess they were trying to kind of build um rapport for these characters so you had more at stake while they were in danger which I guess that worked for some people but to me it's like when um Thoros died I was not fully invested in his character I was actually kind of like annoyed (laughs) by him so when he died I was just like "Eh." and um I mean I didn't think that John was gonna go I was kind of nervous. Tormin is a favorite of mine. I I need him to get with Brienne, but um, that was neither here nor there on the beginning part of the episode. I will say this um, again. After Danny's behaviors, um, I didn't feel like it fit her. I mean, I'm not going to say the whole episode sucks. I don't want it to come off like that, but um, you will never have children. You are Targaryen. You are the only known person to have any dragons. You've raised these three dragons as your children. One dies a horrible death. I mean, I didn't even care for that dragon. The only one I was like, oh, Drogon. Um, And so when Viserion died, I was like, so heartstruck and it was so like oh my gosh and it didn't say I, I think I cared more about it than Danny she was like 
and where's John? You know, and just the look on her face didn't really scream like, like complete utter sadness. It was just more like, I've never seen a white walker, you know? I don't know. It was weird. Um, maybe it was just the way that Emily Clark was directed. I don't know. It was just that I didn't feel it, um, in that scene. But what I will say that I did like, um, there's something going on with Sansa and Arya. This is my take on it. Um, I don't know about the King's Landing stuff. Littlefinger is playing a game. And I, at first I thought Arya was like catching on to him. And then I thought, oh no, he's caught on to Arya. But now, I don't know whether the two Starks are going to be really in on it together. And going to flip the table on Littlefinger that way. Or I think what could possibly happen, which would be very interesting, would be if Littlefinger killed Sansa. Now he said he's, he said he loved her this whole time, but then it's just very reminiscent of how, what happened with the moon door mm-hmm. and, um, her, you know, he said he was in love with, um, Liza and Liza believed him. And now Sansa's not into Littlefinger like that, but this is how he plays the game. You know, if he could with John gone, if he could kill Sansa and frame Arya, what would prevent him from taking over? I mean, the the North is being very fickle right now. They're looking for a leader. He basically came in and saved them with the Battle of the Bastards. So I think that's his best shot. And it seems like, I mean, I can't see anything wrong with that. I'm not as conniving as Littlefinger. But I'm hoping that maybe Arya and uh, Sansa are just playing him playing this role of like, oh, we're fighting and going to flip it on him. But would be a great opportunity if it was the other way around for Arya to get framed and then to stab Littlefinger and kill him. But, um, well, you tell me about what you think about that situation. I mean, I don't know what the hell Littlefinger thinks he's doing, but yeah, the Stark girls are playing him. There's no way about it. Why else would they send Brienne home? If he... If she, if Sansa was seriously considering, oh man, my sister, why wouldn't she have listened to Littlefinger? Why wouldn't she had Brienne there to intervene between both of them? She wouldn't have sent them away for a reason. And then in the end scene where we have basically those faces, Arya kind of flipping the dagger and giving it to her was kind of, I think her saying, you know what? I have issues with you, but I have issues with a lot more people than you. So you're the least of my problem right now. Here you go. Here's a knife. You're going to need it. So I don't know how much of that is conscious for both of them. If they've talked about it off screen that we don't know if it's just a plan or not. If Arya's just smart enough to get to that. But yeah, you better watch that little finger. They're coming for you. So what do you think, do you think is, is gonna... the outcome of this next episode? Um, well, obviously, Danny's going to freak out. Maybe she'll die. Probably not. Somebody's going to die. There might be a wedding. Do we know what the next episode is called? I didn't look at it. Yeah, we not better, at this time. We <laughs> we we better not look because let me tell you folks, if 
it's a dangerous time to try to be a true Game of Thrones fan and not get spoiled because there's a lot of stuff going on out there. Yep, there are script leaks and with episodes being released early. Um, and we just want to remind you guys, too, that we don't look at any of the scripts. Um, we do do some research um, with theories, but we're not looking for anything to be spoiled for us or for you guys. So this right now is the set of our crackpot minds. And some of that is probably be very apparent when you watch the next episode and is completely wrong. So anyways, <laughs> um, Corey is a man of little faith. Well, I'll tell you. Okay, so this is my whole thing with the episode. I had a couple of different points. I'll try to keep them succinct since you're falling asleep. Okay, so my one thing is this Night's King. Um, it appears to me like he possessed the bear or whoever possessed the bear kind of is giving this intelligence to it. Now, I don't know if it's like a hive mind that's controlling everything or it's just the Night King kind of warging at a bunch of people at once um, and animals. But it seems to be that he's directing them. Now, with that, everything seems like it has kind of an intelligence and it knows what's going on. We see this right away when they capture the walker um, or just the undead. Um, As soon as they do that, basically all the undead army swarms against them. Now, you can look at it as either they knew that this was going to happen and they were waiting for it, or as soon as that happened to... The, where he destroyed the White Walker, that narrowed them in on it. Either way, this Night King knows everything that he's controlling right now, um, which probably has a lot of effect here going on with the dragon. Um, Danny and the children, we already discussed that. You know, Is it something that is a steadfast, she cannot have children or not? Um, from what I've read in the books, it's just because basically she made that deal with the witch to bring back Drogo, since that went fucking horribly wrong, she can never have kids again. I don't remember if that's in the series or not as far as the TV show, but even if it is, I feel like that isn't a steadfast rule. Maybe Jon Snow is the one that makes that change since he's already dead. Who knows? Another thing is the Night King possibly, what what did you call them? Green Mancers? Green Seers? Green Seers. That's what Bran is. So do you feel like maybe the Night's King is as well? Interesting. But just go into the fact that so he's able to when Bran wars into things and goes and does them or when he has visions or anything like that, the Night's King can kind of like move around that. And it feels like the only way that would be possible is if he had similar abilities. And so do you think it's possible that he was ever a green seer just like Bran is? Very possible. Um, My other main thing for if I was going to talk long term, I feel like we're trying to get kind of the sprouts of democracy from Tyrion. Um, We keep on hearing him bringing up, you know, that the common people should have a choice that we should break this wheel, that if you are going to do this, you need to put something in place. You know, there's different ways to do it, just like the Greyjoys, just like the Night Watch. Um, What can we do to guarantee that this will continue after you're gone? Um, And while a lot of people have alluded to the fact that Sam could be um, George R.R. Martin, Perhaps Tyrion is the pseudo-quasi like foundation of democracy for Westeros. What do you think about that? Um, I don't know. I don't think this is all Tyrion's idea. I think he's just wanting to support hers because this all started I'm with I'm just her. saying, I think if we're going to see an end to the wheel, 
I feel like the way that that's put in place is not going to be with um, Danny. Um, because I do, I do feel like, you know, everything's going to go on a blaze of glory, but in the end I can see maybe democracy being put in place by someone like Tyrion. Yeah, I mean, I would hope that would happen, but um, George Put it this already way, said I don't that... think if Danny's not going to be on the throne, I don't feel like anyone's going to be on the throne. Oh, I do. And I think it's going to be John. I don't know. I feel like John's going to die, too. I don't know. John's already... What is dead may never die. What if Reek ends up on the throne? Well, that'll be interesting. <laughs> um, he might end up on Iron... No, he's not going to end up on any throne. But that is f- further away. We'll see that definitely in, after the season finale and see what we think of it. Speaking of that, though, do you think we're going to see more about Theon and Yara? Because uh, when yeah, we left sure. him last, he we was haven't like, seen Yara oh, forever. I need... I need some yeah what do you think he's doing yeah he's being sneaky uh so there's rumor of this dragon's horn that uh valerians use to train their dragons and we did see a horn that um sam found when he was up at the wall with some obsidian some other things but we just haven't seen it used again and what then, happened with that though it was it, lost wasn't it because he didn't even grab that obsidian did he well, that's isn't that the same thing that he used to fight the to kill that uh White Walker? Yeah, he had one piece of it though. Yeah. But it was that so same it's still still left there. Somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we have Sam with the knowledge or we should say Gilly with the knowledge of um John's heritage. We have Bran who could potentially tell. We have Mira who his father is Helen Reed, who also has that knowledge. Um, well, piece of it. We have Euron riding around doing whatever the hell Euron does. We don't really know, but he is a pirate and he's been all over the world. So he could have the key to some things, some knowledge that could get dropped that we're not even aware exists yet. There's, It's a huge world George R.R. R. Martin created and... There's lots of potential for things to happen that we didn't see coming. And uh, I don't think we should underestimate the season finale or the season coming up. Um, So I think coming up, this dragon is going to be a huge piece of the puzzle. Um, And I think we were talking about it before. Why has everyone made so much progress? You know, we see Danny. She's going... She started over in uh, Westos, and then she was over in Essos, and then she went up to Slaver's Bay, and then she's across in Dragonstone, and then she's flying back and forth from the north. We have Jon Snow from the north to the south to the north to the south. Um, We have everyone else kind of just roaming around Arya, going left and right and left and right. White Walkers literally have barely moved. Why is that? We have the Wall. The Wall has this magic power that um even um that even benjen can't cross um so i think what they're going to do is this dragon is going to be part of how they get through the wall now if that dragon is melting the wall if that dragon is going to carry the knight's king over and then as soon as he's over all of a sudden they can i feel like that's going to be a key importance to this i think he's been waiting for this and i think this was an entire ambush why else would the knight's king have waited that entire time he can throw a spear like that 
why wouldn't he have just speared every one of those guys down? That was my that question, too. Um, so I feel like this was all set up. Um, he wanted that dragon, and he was waiting for it to come. Um, so it should be interesting. Um, we'll have to see. And then the other thing, too, is like, you know, the only way to kill a White Walker is with Dragonglass or Valerian Steel. But we looked at the bear, right? didn't seem like that affected the bear that much. I mean, it did kill it, but it didn't decimate it. Is it going to be the same way with the dragon? So, I mean, the only way to kill something that's undead is basically to turn it into dust, literally. And to do that to an entire dragon is going to be very difficult. But at the same time, those things usually don't like fire, and a dragon is basically fire incarnate. So, how does that work? If you have an undead thing roaming around the skies blowing fire out is it gonna get caught on fire from a regular dragon and die who knows do you think it'll still have fire i think it will yeah but i don't know it just depends it could be a it could be a nice dragon but i don't think so I don't know what I think anymore about it. But yeah, it, it. I know the one thing I know for sure is this is going to be the vehicle for the army of the dead getting across the wall because we have one season left. This is how they're going to do it. And that's what this entire thing is going to be about. And I think probably the end of this one where we're going to have a setup where they're going to try to fuck each other over. Probably the politics of the, you know, the wheel that's been turning, but the wheel is going to be about to break, whether it be with Danny or if it's with the Night's King. And who do you think is going to die? Next episode, next episode? Or? I've been telling you Jorah for this entire time, but um, I think Jorah is still on my list of people to go. And I really think we're, I think we have to settle up with uh, Littlefinger. I think he's extraneous right now. We don't need him. We need stuff in the North to move along a little bit faster. And I feel like they, they're going to do that by killing him. So I would say Littlefinger and I would say Jorah. I'm going to say, I'm going to agree with you um, on Littlefinger. But I think before he dies, he's going to take Sansa out. Okay. And then Arya is going to take him out. I think it's going to be the three. Bam, bam, bam. Yep. Okay. I can see that. Um, I would hope that it doesn't come to that, but... Um, We'll or Arya will be avenging him killing her sister. Maybe she'll find out the I truth. I just don't feel like Littlefinger is the one who kills. When you see Brianna Tarth get shipped out and was, oh, Brianna's there to protect both of the Stark uh, girls. Okay, and now she's gone. John's gone. You're just there in the north, and it's Littlefinger and the Fairweather group of northerners you know it's i see that happening i don't see jamie dying i don't see oh well there could be Bronn could be on the chopping block based on what cersei said the episode before last that is true and we have not followed up with that at all so um but we're gonna have to definitely find out this i think they're gonna check back in with all of the uh, characters on this last episode we've got to even if it's just a very brief second we've got to see what Euron's up to we've got to I see I think he is going to be 
I think we're going to have two major driving factors. And I think one is going to be the Knights King. And I think two is going to be Euron. I think um, Euron is going to be a total crazy asshole. Also, question. Danny is dr- in the ship? She's taking the ship back? Yeah. Okay. This is my prediction. Euron's going to come and decimate Dragonstone. Yeah, because he's good at... Uh... Doing this little snake snake. Yeah. Anywhere people are gone, he just zips in and then like... Yeah. Um, but uh, I don't know. That's the other thing, too. You know, we have this fake truce kind of with the Lannisters and with Danny, But Euron doesn't know about that. And Euron really doesn't play by anyone's rules. I think Danny's going to kill Tyrion. Yeah, I kind of feel like he might betray her for Jamie. I don't think... I think she's going to assume that he betrays her and then do Mad King style roast as the last. Do you have anything you want to add? I know we went through his stuff pretty fast. I try to get everything that was kind of on my mind about it. Yeah. Um, I. But, okay. Well, I have one more thing, actually. Okay. So kind of on the flip side of where I was talking about maybe the Night's King is able to warg into things and that's how he affects this. We know that. We know that Bran has already warged into an undead giant. Is he able to warg into this undead dragon? What undead giant? Remember when he was looking, it was uh, beginning of two or three, and there was a giant walking out in the ice fields, and it had blue eyes, and it was actually Bran. Remember the blue eye? Oh, on the giant that yeah. was walking? Why do we know it's Bran? Because I thought the blue out, and he's like, ugh, he was warged into him. I thought it was just like Bran was having a vision of that because Bran's things have clear eyes, not blue eyes. Well, if they already have blue eyes to begin with. Oh, those were like the crazy know. blue eyes. I don't know. But if he, everything else that he's done that with, like his visions, like they've always been like ravens and stuff, stuff that is not already taken over by the Night King. Well, that's what I'm saying is that he was viewing it from not in through the eyes of that thing. But uh, his powers only go with Werewood. Like, well, where was he at when he woke up from that? Right by the wall. Oh, he wasn't like plugged into the Werewood. Maybe he was, but I don't know. I don't know. I just it seems interesting. Like if he's able to do it with people and he can do it with other things, or if even the Night's King is just warging through this dragon, it's a permanent kind of work thing. Maybe he's able to do that, too. Just want to let you guys know that we're still doing our giveaway. All you have to do is go and like and give us feedback on our iTunes page. Um, Once you do that, if you can go ahead and take a snapshot of it and send it to our email at tobeperfectlyhonestpodcast at gmail.com, then we will enter you to win. um, And we will go ahead and send it out. And it doesn't matter if you are international or not. Um, That's it for this week's episode. Um, Catch us next time for the finale of Season 7. And make sure you're subscribed. That way you get the latest and greatest from us, as always. Um, We talked about it a little bit earlier, and we're thinking about going back and doing all of the episodes starting from Season 1. If you guys would like to hear that, send us some feedback or leave us a comment. As always, I'm Corey. I'm Anel. And be perfectly honest.